So uh, this morning, uh, starting a new sermon series, it's called Spring. Is spring just a good word? Yes. It's my favorite part, season of the, of the year, spring. I, I love it because new things are starting to grow. The grass, you start seeing the grass start greening up. And I know it does look a little bleak because of what happened a few weeks ago with the winter storm. But things are starting to green up. So you see, you see new life coming. You start, you know, you, we start going to the, the nurseries and getting some more geraniums or some more uh, Gerber daisies. And you start seeing the color in the, in, the, in the yards, people start hanging those baskets and the, the farmers start seeing, they start planting and, and you start seeing all growth. And, and, and for me, when I was a kid growing up, one of the reasons I loved spring so much was because it meant baseball season, you know? And I'm a lot of baseball fans here, two, three. <laughs> Most boring game in the world. No, it's not boring, you just gotta know what it is, okay? So we're going to start a new series called Spring, and you know how I like acronyms. Every, every sermon is going to start with a, one of the letters of spring like in order. I'm not going to spell it backwards. That would be Gnirzba. So we're going to say, we're going to do forward. Spring, and the S today is for sewing. Say sewing. Sewing. So it's not like sewing clothes. This is S-O-W-I-N-G. Say S-O-W. S-O-W. See, that's a pig. S-O-W. <laughs> S-O-W-I-N-G, sewing. We were talking about that this morning, and I thought it was very appropriate that we kind of, I didn't plan it this way, but it came on the day that you're sowing your first fruit to the Lord, you're sowing your offerings to the Lord. But you know, when we talk about sowing, most people go, oh, he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about money. But see, sowing goes way beyond money. And, and so, you know, it's, this where we want to go, I'm not, I'm Barely going to mention money, because the Bible, but the Bible does mention money a lot. But we're not going to focus on that. And then, uh, here, here's the definition for sowing. is to plant seeds for growth, especially by scattering. So we tend to think of that as, as he's going to preach about tithing. And, uh, but how many farmers or gardeners do we have here this morning? Yeah, you, you plant seeds, don't you? So if you plant a certain seed, what do you expect to grow? Whatever that seed was. Okay, so there's a principle to, to sowing and reaping. So there's a principle to planting and harvesting. There's just a principle. That's in Galatians 6-7. Paul says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You know that word mocked? It means God is not made fun of. He's not derided. He's not put down. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows or a woman that he or she will also reap. Did you know that? you believe that? If you really believe that, you would probably start sowing a little differently than you sow. All of us probably would. You know, you can sow, a lot of people, well, if I sow kindness to so-and-so, then they better be kind back to me. But you know, it doesn't work that way. Or if I sow money here, I better get money back. It doesn't work that way. Maybe it does. Sometimes it does. But when you sow, you leave the, the, you leave the reaping to the Lord. So if you sow kindness to somebody, you may get kindness back from somebody that you didn't have any idea was going to sow kindness to you. And you, you may sow love to somebody, and then somebody else says, oh man, I just want to tell you how much I, care, I love you and appreciate you. So you can sow it in one direction and get it back from another direction. You, you don't have control over that so much, okay? Then we like to have control over things. And that's why, even why I said, you know, if you want to have control over it, even on your first fruit offering, that's okay to suggest something. Because maybe that's where God said, this is what I see as a need here at the, in, at the church. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you for that. 
But here's the thing. When you sow it, you should say, I just trust God that this is going to go exactly where it needs to go. So, that's so. So. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. This is a, really a, a much preached verse. Paul says this. I say this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. You ever, get, you ever had somebody give you a gift and they didn't really want to give it to you? Or you gave a gift and you really didn't want to give it to them. See, it just goes beyond your tithes and offerings. It just goes beyond that. It's your lifestyle. You know, you want to bless somebody. How many of you have been blessed by somebody? And I get this all the time. I went to get burritos one day. And I'm going through, I go through the window and the lady recognizes me because she goes to this church sometimes. And she said, here. And I said, I've handed her my money. She said, no, no, I want to bless you. And I said, I said, look, just, no, I want to bless you. And she had this big smile on her face. I want to bless you. The next time I saw her, she blessed me. She had a mask on, so I didn't know if she was smiling or not. But she wanted to bless me. And, and, you know, I had to learn a long time ago that I don't want to rob somebody of their blessing. Oh, no, please don't do that for me. I don't. No, you're robbing them of a blessing. So, so if, if somebody's now giving cheerfully, receive it cheerfully. And then turn around and do the, uh, an act of kindness to somebody else. That's how it works. That's how this thing, uh, pay it forward thing goes. Okay? So he says, give with a cheerful heart. So I'm in the shower last week. I do take showers. And <laughs> how many of you have revelation in the shower? How many have revelation in the bathtub? How many have re- revelation just driving down the highway? Like you're, ooh. Are you careful while you're doing that? <laughs> But God gives us, some of us, different times, it's, it's just more, a little more special. And I, I get these revelations in the, in the shower sometimes, or sometimes it's right when I'm waking up. It's like the Lord, and he dropped a name in my, my, my heart this morning, like at 3 o'clock. And I, it was like a couple, and hadn't seen them in a while. And I got up and texted them this morning and prayed for them at the moment. So when God drops things that, like that in your heart, you need to pay attention to them. Yeah. So I'm in the shower, and, and uh, I've already... I've been thinking about, I'm going to preach on this spring series, and the Lord says, I want you to go to Acts chapter 1. There's a story there you've never told. I thought, Acts chapter 1? What's that got to do with spring? (laughs) What's that got to do with sowing? And so he took me to the story that we're going to read, this event that we're going to go over this morning. It's not a whole lot of scriptures today. I bet Richard was probably going, this is going to be a 10-minute sermon, because there weren't a whole lot of scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to... Uh, Acts chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version today. And I want to kind of set the stage for it before we get into the scripture. After Jesus died and was buried and rose from the dead, then he met with his disciples and then he preached for 40 days. What did he do? What did he preach? The kingdom. The kingdom. He pre- it's what, that's all it says. He preached the kingdom for 40 days. Okay? And then he met up with the disciples and he told them, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go there and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He, didn't, he, said, he said not many days from now. He didn't tell them how many, but we know it was 10 because of 40 and then 
and then uh, Pente uh, Pentecost is, is, is at the 50th day. So we know they were there to, for 10 days, but he just said, I want you to go and wait for the promise. And say, go and seek my face. Go and just, just get in my presence and pray and wait. And they got, to, got together. How many, you know, how many were there? See, so many people get that wrong. No? It's 120 or so. Ah. It's 120 or so. Everybody says 120, but I always says, I went, no, it could have been more than that. It could have been 122. <laughs> but it's 120 or so of the followers of Christ were in this room, and they prayed together, and they sought the Lord in day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And they're, and they're waiting for this blast, uh, this promise to come to them. So while they're waiting in this 10-day ten, ten period, this is where we're going to take up the story. Verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. And said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide <coughs> to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Anybody know who Judas is? There were two Judases in the, in the 12, and, but his name was Judas Iscariot. And he was the one who totally betrayed Jesus and sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, okay? So the first thing I want you to see this morning is we need to know who's sowing. Knowing who's sowing. Knowing. Say knowing. knowing. Who's sowing. It's very important that you know the people that labor among you. Now, did Jesus know about Judas? Did he know that Judas would betray him? So why did he allow him to stay with him those three and a half years? Because it was prophesied. See, a lot of people have a lot of problem with this. They go, well, Judas didn't have a choice. He had to betray Jesus. I don't believe that one minute. I believe he had total free will, just like everybody else does. I don't think God withheld his free will because he wanted him to betray him. But see, God already knows. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, right? So he already knew this was going to happen. That's why it was already prophesied, because they already knew it was going to happen. So Judas is part of the plan. He's part of the plan for our salvation. Matthew 7, 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? See, if there's, any, if there's a bad example of a bad sower, or a good example of a bad sower, it would be Judas. He was the guy, he was the guy that was always probably causing dissension in the group. Remember when, when the lady came, the woman came and broke the alabaster jar and it was super expensive, like a year's salary and poured it on Jesus? And I know it says some of the other disciples chimed in, but he was the lead. He was the one that said, oh, shouldn't we save that? Why would he allow that woman to do that to him? We could have sold that and fed a lot of poor people. But see, he didn't want to feed poor people because he was always stealing money out of the till. And Jesus allowed him to do that because Jesus knew that this was part of the prophetic word and this is how it was going to have to play out. So we see that, that Judas was a good example of a bad sower. How not to sow. Just go read Judas 101. Judas is scared and you'll figure out this is not how you want to sow your life. The Bible tells us that it's good for us to know who's laboring among us. As your pastor, as the shepherd of the flock... One of the first things I learned, because I, I had never been a senior pastor before except when, 20 years ago when we began this work. 
I would get, I would talk to people and say, I, would, I need some wisdom on how to do this. I need wisdom on elders. I need wisdom on who to choose as leaders. And, and, and one of the first things that I heard when we were a part of this FCCM group for the Fellowship of Connected Churches and Ministries, they said, Harold, you need to know those who labor among you. If y'all know, I've got some stuff, so I'm going to be drinking a lot of water. All of you got stuff? <clears throat> he said, to know those who labor among you. People come to me all the time for this 20 years. Meet them for the first time. Some people, some of them even give me their card that said Apostle so-and-so. And I'll look at that because after I've been through this a few years, I know now that you just don't take everybody by face value. And you may be one of those people that come, Pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian and I really want to serve here. And, and you may get offended when I say, that's awesome, but hang around for about six months so we can get to know you. Because, see, we need, to see, we need to see how you deal with things when you're not in the limelight. We need to see how you deal with things and your character responds to things. And we've made, I've made some bad choices through this 20 years. I've, I've, select, I've gotten people that I thought, man, I, I, I thought I really vetted them. I thought I really prayed it through. And they get in here and all of a sudden, like, man, they just, it's a train wreck. It happens. So forgive me if I'm a little cautious in setting people in places of ministry in this body. Would y'all forgive me if I do that? Okay, if you take up an offense, we'll talk about that in a minute too. So, you know, you wonder about, because I like to kind of think things through and ask the questions when I read these scriptures. And I thought, why didn't the rest of the disciples figure it out? Do you ever think about that? He was always causing dissension. He was, yeah, yeah, he's one of those, he's, he's one that he probably talked behind Jesus' back all the time. But I think so many, all these guys were so concerned with them, themselves that they missed even that Jesus was going to be killed and resurrected. They just missed it all. They, they got so focused. Remember when James and John said, well, can we sit on your right hand and your left hand? And my mommy wants us to sit by you. <laughs> and they, they didn't understand. They didn't understand uh, the, the problem of Judas in their group. The reason I can tell you this, I, I think they didn't know who, that Judas was the betrayer is because on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me tonight. Remember that story? And what did they say? Is it me? Is it me? Every one of them said, is it me? So they must have, and Judas, you know, he's like, I know it's me, <laughs> you know? So we got to be careful to know who's laboring among us. You know, that, that goes further than just in a church setting. It needs, it's, you need to know who you're associating with. You need to know who you're thinking about dating. You, you need to... Here's some yeses over here. Yes. But we need, to, we need to be aware of those things. Be aware of your surroundings, church. Because not everybody that comes in and says the, all the nicest things and says the, the great religious language and, the, and the, says three more hallelujahs and amens and father gods to you, they're not always a bag of chips and all that. They could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Not always, but maybe. Okay, verse 18. Now this man, who's Judas, purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. How many pieces of silver did he sell Jesus out for? 30, and he bought some property. Thought he was going to make him a good real estate deal. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. 
Now, I'm going to stop right there because a lot of people say, well, I thought he hung himself. I believe that he hung himself and the branch broke and he fell and poof. Must have been a tall tree. But he did. He hung himself first and then that happened, okay? And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language, Akel Damah, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Can you put the picture up there? There it is. It's still there. That's the field of blood, or what is thought to be the field of blood. If you've been to Israel, we saw this from a distance. We didn't get close up to it, but it's kind of down in the valley, and we were up on the hill kind of like this. He's a little further away, and, and our tour guide, our, our lady that was guiding us through Israel, she said, There's the, that's what's considered to be the field of blood. 2,000 years it's been desolate. Does God come through with his promises or what? Can you imagine saying, I think I'd like to buy some uh, property. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the locals? No, 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 no. You don't want to buy that. No, stay away from that property. Well, you can get it for a song. No, no. When they could give it to me. I wouldn't want it. So 2,000 years later, God's promises still are true. Everything in the book is true that he speaks to us, church. So we've got to know there is, there is a reaping for your sowing. Okay? The sowing and reaping of Judas Iscariot. Proverbs 22.8 says this. This is in the Passion. It says, Sin is a seed that brings a harvest. You'll reap a heap of trouble with every seed you plant. For your investment in sins pays a full return, the full punishment you deserve. That's exactly what Judas did. He sowed sin. He sowed deceit. He sowed jealousy. Man, he thought he could be Jesus. You know, he, he sowed everything wrong in his life, and he ended up hanging himself, his gut spilled out, on, in a field that is still barren to this day. That is what's called reaping what you have sown, church. I don't know if any of us want to do that, okay? So that's enough about Judas, because this, this message isn't about Judas. Okay? Turn to, oh, well, follow. We're in verse 21 now. Like I said, I've never preached this passage. It's not a really a popular, I'm sure, passage to preach. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias, or Matthias, and they prayed and they said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. Not who they're going to choose, who you have chosen, God. To take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, or Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. I want us to see the sowing and the reaping of Matthias. What do y'all like better, Matthias? Raise your hands, Matthias or Matthias? Okay. I looked it up. I listened to it. And I have one of those things that speaks what it is. It's Matthias. So this is what I want us to focus on this morning, on this man. You may say, well, pastor, why? What's so important about this guy that we never hear of again? never hear of him again in the, in, the, in the New Testament. You never hear of him again. 
Isn't that amazing? And why did God put him on my heart? Now, here's some questions I want to ask you. It's not going to be a lengthy sermon. But this is what God put on my heart, and you've got to hear it. Have you ever just wanted to throw up your hands and quit? Think about it. Have you ever just wanted to throw up your hands and say, I'm done with this? Have you ever felt unappreciated and rejected, overlooked? Anybody? Got passed over, looking at somebody else? Have you ever felt like you were on the outside looking in? Maybe at a church, maybe in your own family. Well, I'm the black sheep of the family, so I always feel like I don't, I don't belong. Or I'm, I'm that guy at work that nobody talks to, nobody sits down by. I'm that kid at school when everybody else comes in and, and I'm sitting there at school with my tray, everybody else gets up and leaves if I come to sit down. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been the last one chosen? Think about that. I used to hate that. When would there be a group of people and you're going to divide up into two teams and like, let's just say it's basketball, you're going to pick the tall guy that can really shoot and the little, the little guy at the end that can't hardly dribble, he's the last one there, but he wants to play so bad. And... Have you ever been that place? Maybe you haven't. Have you ever felt like I've paid my dues and it's time for me to be promoted and yet they keep passing over you and over you and over you? You see, people give up on their marriages, their kids, their jobs, their education, their hopes, their dreams. They give up on them. They even give up on their faith when they don't see the results because they've sown seeds. They've sown the seeds. They've, they've done the deal, but they don't see the results. And God, where are you in this? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you promoted me yet? Am I talking to anybody here today? See, that's what God put on my heart. He said, Matthias probably felt all those things. We don't know, but it's just what God said. This is... I want you to share this, Harold, because there are people in your congregation that feel just like him. For three and a half years, he was on the outside looking in. Following Jesus, faithfully. Faithfully following Christ. See, for one of these men to be chosen, they had to have been there since the baptism of John when he baptized Jesus until Jesus ascended to heaven. They had to be there the whole time. See, we always hear about the 12. But remember, he sent 70 out one time or 72, depending on which gospel. He sent 72 out. More than likely, Matthias was a part of that group. And they came back. They came back all excited. Y'all remember that story? They came back. So, man, even we saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And we were casting out demons and people were getting healed. It was awesome, Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He said, come on, guys, the 12 of you, let's go talk about this. You read it. He took the 12 aside. He said, I want to, let's talk about this. He didn't bring the 70 in. And I'm thinking, the thoughts are like, right, man, I sure I could be in that group. What did he say, Peter? Can you come back and report to us? He was sowing, sowing faithfully. 
I think about the Last Supper. We celebrate communion every week here. There were still a lot of followers to Christ. And I think about when Jesus said, okay, you guys, come on in, the 12 of you. And here's these other guys, including Matthias and all the other men out there going, wow, when are we ever going to get to get in there close to Jesus? You ever feel that way? I think, I think all of us have felt that way at one time or another in our life. And yet God says, don't give up. Don't quit sowing. Don't quit being who I've called you to be. I've got something special for you. You may not think it right now. You may not see it right now. You may not even believe it right now, but I've got something special for you. You see, I don't, I, I don't want people to be left out. I don't. I, I, don't like it when, I don't like it when I see somebody standing there and somebody else in my church just walks around them and then take time to say hello or pat them on the back or say welcome. I don't like that. You shouldn't either. When do we ever get so important that we, don't, we couldn't stop and hug a homeless person? I'm talking to the leadership too. If you ever get to that place where you think you're better than and you can't stop and you can't make time for people because they're not a part of whatever, then you need to repent. That is the character of this church. That's the lifeblood of this church. And people come in here and go, I feel so welcome. I feel at home here. I'm not saying, that I'm, listen, but we can get better at it. We can be better. Can't we? Can't, isn't there always room for improvement? Always. So what did, what did Matthias sow? This is what the Lord put on my heart. This is three and a half years of waiting. First of all, he was obedient. He was obedient. They had to be, if they were going to be chosen to be part of the 12 to replace Judas, they, they had to be obedient. I mean, they, everybody, they, he had to be such a, he was a follower of Christ. He listened to the commands. He, he heard Jesus preach from the mountainside, and he was obedient, or he wouldn't have been chosen. I'm going to ask you, are you sowing obedience this morning? See, if you're sowing disobedience, you will reap disobedience. Quit telling your kids, do as I say, not as I do. I can watch this, it, but you can't watch it. You're sowing disobedience in them. They're, they're going to come at you like, wow, we've got double standards here all of a sudden. He was obedient. I love this. Certainly, Matthias persevered. He persevered. Say persevered. persevered. I, used to say the, I used to say it wrong. I always thought there was another R in there. Persevered. Anybody else? Persevered. It's persevered. He persevered. That's a, that's the, that's a gift. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering. How many times do you think after two years or three years he thought about, man, this, this is getting old. I don't guess I'm ever going to get called, and I think I'll just go home to Mama. 
He didn't want to throw up his hands and quit. He persevered, though. He pressed in. How many times did, do, do you come to a place and you feel like, man, this faith thing, this faith walk is such a struggle. It's just not worth it. I just want to, man, I've heard people say, I've been walking with the Lord, but so-and-so said this to me, and I just don't want to have anything to do with faith anymore because I saw somebody else live, uh, live a life and, and live a lie or speak to me in a certain way, and I just want to walk away from this faith. Listen, you've got to learn how to persevere. It's not always going to be a bed of roses because even if it is, there's thorns in the rose bushes. Right? And I don't like what she said to me. I don't like how she looked at me. I just think I'm just going to leave the church. I don't like what that pastor said. I'm just going to go somewhere else where they speak some nice stuff. People get offended at the most stupid things. And the devil just goes, come on. That's what he does. He just licks his chops when, when, when somebody says something or doesn't look at you the right way. I had a lady one time, she got mad at me. They left the church because I didn't pray for them. Somebody else prayed for them, but I didn't. I had to go to them and apologize. <laughs> Certainly he was unselfish. Certainly he was unselfish. I'd like to have known that guy, hanging out that long. See, the other 12, they're kind of famous, but just to know that one guy that stuck it out. He was unselfish. Are you sowing unselfishness? Certainly he was a good student. Now, this Jesus was the rabbi. And he followed, he followed Jesus Christ. He was the rabbi, and he was listening. He was a good student. He was sowing good habits to listen and learn and then to obey. I'm going to ask you this question. And you, some of you might like, I don't like that one. But are you a good student of the Word of God? Are you sowing good habits? Study to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. Don't be ashamed. Rightly divide the Word. He called us to study the Word. Oh, that's the pastor's job. Show me in the Scriptures where that's my job and not yours. It's your job. Study the Word. If you don't know the word, you can hear anybody on the internet and think they're right. And there's one guy on the internet attacking charismatics right and left. Now I just pray for him. Because he's so, he, he just attacks people. Because of one person offended him or that person, he didn't like what they said or this didn't line up the way he thought it should line up. And he misses all the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ because... He's against charismatic or what they would call charismania, right? So you've got to be a good student of the word. Certainly, Matthias was courageous. He had to be courageous. You know, after Jesus was resurrected, he met with over 500 followers. Do you know that? 500. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. You can look it up. 500 followers. How many ended up in the upper room? 120 or so, right? So what happened to the other 380 or so? They got offended. Yeah. 380 or so missed Jesus ascending. Man, who wouldn't want to be there for that? He's not a rocket ship. He's a man. Woo! 
going up. And he's just like, how could all these people miss the glory of God that badly that they didn't want to be there when Jesus said, now I've got you. I'm gonna, I want you to go to the upper room and wait because something even better is coming. He had to be courageous. See, a lot of them were, they were afraid for their lives after Jesus was resurrected or after he was crucified. They were afraid for their lives. That's why they were hiding out when Jesus appeared to them. They had behind locked doors like, what's going to happen to us? We're part of that group and they're after us. They don't like us so much. He had to be courageous. I'm going to ask you something this morning. Are you sowing courage? Or are you sowing fear? We live in a fear culture now. Ever since this pandemoniac hit, everybody's afraid. Well, not everybody. Recant. A lot of people are afraid. Just get... When did, when did God quit being enough? When did he quit being the healer? When did he quit being Lord of all? Certainly he was humble. He recognized authority. That's why he stuck it out. He's humble. Oh, well, Matthias, why don't you, why don't you lead him? Oh, no, 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 no. He's got the words of life. Matthias, you've been, you've been with this group. He just likes the 12 guys. Why don't you keep hanging around? I don't know, man. There's something about him. It's, it's, he's amazing. I, I don't want to miss what he's got. There's an anointing on him. I don't want to get away from that. See, we want to get away from him sometimes. We want to do our own thing sometimes. And we want to just, just cut, our, cut, cut the ties with him so we can get away and do our own thing and walk in our flesh for a little while. And that never works out good, church. Never. Recognized authority by sowing humility. Certainly he was not easily offended. <laughs> if you walked with Jesus very long and you got offended easily, you would leave him. He said some really strong words for a lot of people. If you've never read the book, The Bait of Satan, you need to read it. Because it deals with being offended. You know, you can be offended. Everybody can be offended. You might be offended this morning. I don't know. How many of how many, you know everybody gets offended? See, there's a difference, though, with being offended and taking up the offense. We all get offended. You may, see, you may see that person that didn't shake your hand, and you go, that offended me. And then you can go, but I love them. I bet there was something else on their mind. And next time, I'm not going to let them get by without giving me a hug, because I'm going to attack them first. <laughs> That's how you get around that. You, just, you walk in forgiveness instead of offense. You know his name, Matthias, and it's really the same as Matthew, the other, the tax collector. It means the gift of God. He was faithful. I love that about him. He was faithful. Think about this. Got all these people in the upper room. It might have been a little noisy. They were talking. They're praying. It, they were seeking the Lord, and Peter steps up and he says, "Hey guys, we got to fill this. We got to fill this uh, void that Judas left." 
can, can y'all get a picture of that? And they're all in there like, Matthias is going, could it be me? Could it be me? Could it be you? See, God's called you. He's chosen you. Could it be you? Have you been sowing faithfulness? I don't, know what, I don't know what he did when his name was called. He might have gone, what? Me? Really? Yes! Oh, well, I've been waiting for this day. Oh, there's two of us, huh? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll hold it back a little bit. Cast the lots. Oh, Matthias said, oh, yeah, it is me. Yeah! You're so excited. Can you imagine that? All these years, three and a half years, walking along the outside and being called to the inside. Being named an apostle. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. You know, history says that we don't have any, any record in the, in the scriptures, but history says, because there were other historians during that time, many say that he was, he was uh, stoned to death in Jerusalem and then beheaded. You want to sow your life for that. I wonder why I'm so emotional today. Woo! See if you're going to sow your life for, for the king. He's asking you, are you going to sow it? Are you willing to lay it down for me? And we sing those songs. We sang it this morning. I lay it all down. I lay it all down. You know what? I don't think we ever do so much. Including me in that. We sing about it. I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender. But I think it's pretty much I surrender all as best as I know right now. You know? Maybe next week, Lord, you'll show me something else. I've got to surrender something else. It's a process, right? It's a process of surrendering. So I hope you can see this morning that sowing means much more than just giving your tithes and offerings or your first fruit offering. It's about what's in your heart. It's about who you trust. It's about, is he worth me laying it all down for? Through it all, Matthias or Matthias, he was probably seen more than he was heard. But he just kept sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing, not knowing when the time would come. Not knowing that one day God would promote him. Self-promotion is not really cool. The question this morning is, what are you sowing? Y'all just go ahead and stand.